Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. How's it going, everybody? <laughs> we have a new theme song today. Mm. Our good friend Michael reached out to us at BennyJShow at gmail.com, sent us an email, and sent us a song. A song that he recorded all himself. Guitar, drum, bass. I don't think he sings on it. Which is perfect, because it's a great intro song, you know what I mean? Uh, If you know of a band, or if you make music and want to send us your songs, please do. BennyJShow at gmail.com. B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J, show at gmail.com. The Ben Jarofsky Show for Tuesday, March 3rd is brought to you by the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, Local 126 and District 8. That's correct. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9. That's correct. The International (laughs) Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150. That's correct. And of course, today's Ben Jarofsky Show was brought to you by our good friends at the Chicago Federation of Labor. Take a chill pill, man. (laughs) Your Ben Jarofsky Show with a new theme song starts right now. Thank you, Michael, for the theme song. It is Tuesday, March 3rd, (laughs) and live from the Chicago Sun-Times, Chicago Reader Studio on Racine Avenue, this is The Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, our Chicago Reader colleague, Maya Duke-Masova returns. It's the long-awaited return of president of the Chicago Principals Association, one Troy LaRavier, and political strategist, Candace Castillo. And now your host, lover of the new theme song of the Ben Jarofsky Show. Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Hello everybody, Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Yesterday's Gone Tuesday. And here's why. Great week, you have a good weekend, D? Yes. <laughs> I had a really good week. Let me tell you what the highlight of my weekend was. I already told Miles this. I'm going to tell you this. I mean, we're all over the last weekend, but sure. I saw The Invisible Man. Run, don't walk, people. If you like scary movies, I know a lot of my friends out there don't like scary movies. They're afraid of scary movies. I love scary movies. This one is so freaking scary. I had my hands over my eyes the whole time. Like it's going to protect me. Great flick. Two thumbs way up. We got Scotty D coming in here tomorrow. Young Scott Duff will be coming in tomorrow. He's, there we go. I'm already thinking of tomorrow's show. He's like, he saw it, but you know, Scott's like, it wasn't that good. You know, Scott, Sonny's a critic, okay? Anyway, Scott I love- Duff, radio host yes. at our former station and <laughs> been got fired at WCPT 820, host about Chicago. One of my dear friends, Scotty D, and he'll be in here. We'll be talking a lot of stuff. Anyway, focus, Ben, focus. Please. All right, okay. I woke up uh, on Monday to find the world had changed while I was busy, distracted by watching scare movies. Let me count down some of the ways the world had gone topsy-turvy. Up is down, down is up. Number one, South Carolina primary. Black people finally got a chance to vote. What a weird system we have for picking a nominee of the Democratic Party, ladies and gentlemen. The Probably the single most important block of voters, black voters, doesn't really have a say in things until like after, what, 
six months. I don't even know how many months it's been. No, it's only been two months of elections, but that's our system. Uh, Number one. (laughs) Number two, uh, Joey Biden was saved. Yes, Joseph Joe Biden, the former vice president of the United States, former senator from Delaware. He was saved. His campaign, that is by black voters, all right? Uh, Joey, you should send some flowers to every black person you see in this country, because if it wasn't for them, your campaign wouldn't be saved. Number three, Mayor Pete, Amy Klobuchar, young Tom Stiber, dropped out. Stiber. (laughs) You mixed up Tom Steyer and Bob Diber and called them Stiber. (laughs) It's all that reefer I smoked in the 70s, folks. It's catching up to me. Young Tom Steyer, okay? (laughs) They dropped out of the race, facing four, an existential dilemma. Who should they endorse? Or one, should they stay neutral? Two, should they endorse Bernie? Three, should they endorse Joey B? Four, should they endorse Mike Bloomberg? Who, five, sent me this lovely flyer this weekend, okay? Just to show that he's got money. All right, the Illinois primary is not totally I was wondering where you got that Bloomberg sticker on your shirt from. (laughs) We love you, Mike. Yes, he sent this to my house yesterday. He's got money, folks, all right? Uh, so let's see. Uh, where were we? Oh, they uh, all of them endorsed Biden, proving number five, they're not dumb. All right. I got calls and this went down when Amy Klobuchar, uh, Klobuchar and uh, P- Mayor Pete endorsed Biden. I got calls from my friends of the Bernie persuasion. They texted me. They called me. Ben, the fix is in. Ben, there's been a quid pro quo. Ben, what do they get from this? And I'm going to tell you this. Folks, this was my response. They didn't get anything. Put it this way. If they were in this race of endorsing people to get something, they would have endorsed Bloomberg, not Biden, because Bloomberg's got more to give. If you're following me, he's got more money. Hence the flyer that I got in the mail two weeks before the Illinois primary. I'm not getting any flyers from any other candidate because they're too broke to spend it on an election that's two weeks away. So back to my uh, figuring out why they did what they did. They supported Biden because it's clear to absolutely everyone that he, not Michael Bloomberg, is the front runner for moderates. And if you're a moderate, You got to go with a guy who's number one, even if he cannot speak in a coherent sentence. Now, let me deal with this right now. This idea is a bunch of malarkey. Yes. Thank you, Joe Biden. That is a coherent sentence. I'll give him credit for that one. But many other times he stumbles. Now, I play the radio. Make sure the television, (laughs) excuse me, make sure you have the record player on at night. The, the, The phone. Make sure the kids hear words. That's what you're talking about? Yeah. And by the way, that kind of makes sense, okay? <laughs> make sure that kids hear words. I, you know, the more I listen to it, the more sense it makes. <laughs> but folks, I've long argued that being able to speak in coherent sentences is far overrated uh, if you want to be successful in electoral politics. If being able to speak in coherent sentences was a requirement for a winning higher office, Mayor Richard M. Daley would not have been the mayor of the city of Chicago, D, for over 25 years. And Donald John Trump would not be the president of the United States. Okay, so I think it's hugely overrated. I don't think anybody. Well, let me amend that. Some people will care, but the over. I think the majority of voters will not care. And I look forward to a debate if Joe Biden is the nominee between Joe Biden and Donald Trump, when neither of them can speak in a coherent sentence, and I won't know what either one is saying. But I'll have a general sense, and that's the thing. They convey a general sense. 
So I think uh, speaking in coherent sentences is clearly overrated. And obviously, Amy Klobuchar agrees with me and Mayor Pete agrees with me because they endorsed Joe Biden over the guy with tons of money. All right. Now, let me say this about Mayor Pete. You love him. (laughs) Mayor Pete is a smart guy. Can I just say that, D? He's clearly a smart guy. He runs for office, has moderate success, uh, enables what finishes either first or second, depending on who's counting the votes and how you interpret the votes in Iowa, finishes second in New Hampshire. And like Biden finishes his sentences. Yes. And that's... Absolute proving my point. He's absolutely coherent. When he starts a sentence, he has a general sense of where he's going to go by the end of the sentence, and he gets there. And everyone's impressed, especially baby boobers. They love Mayor Pete. He's such a nice young man. They love Mayor Pete. So why did he drop out and endorse Joey B? Easy. Because baby boomers love him even more now. I Everywhere I go, I see a baby boomer. Don't you just love Mayor Pete? Didn't he do the right thing by stepping out and, and endorsing Joe Biden? Doesn't he have a wonderful future? I read this in the New York Times. It's about three different columnists in the New York Times. I love Mayor Pete. What a wonderful future. Man, the guy gets more love for dropping out. <laughs> After running a campaign where he absolutely failed at one of the most essential things that any Democratic candidate has to do and that is get black people to vote for you he totally failed at that d but when he drops out it's like what a nice young man what a wonderful campaigner by the way henry davis jr out in south bend those fireworks we heard were him setting them off yeah we got to get him back on the show Henry Davis. You know what's funny? He sent me a text over the weekend. Go, Ben, it's your fault that Mayor Pete didn't win. My fault? I didn't say say anything bad about Mayor Pete. It was you, Henry. Anyway, Henry Davis Gates. Excuse me, Henry Davis. (laughs) He always added Gates. I know he's going to get mad at me for doing that. Uh, Anyway, so, uh, yeah, Mayor Pete is no dummy. Uh, He endorsed Biden. And that leads me to say this. I'm going to give some advice to moderates. Now, I know moderates out there. Listen up, (laughs) moderates. I know you always take advice from this guy. I don't know why any moderate in the world would want to take advice from me. But let me just say this, moderates. Okay, why would I, a lefty of the Bernie persuasion, Bernie number one, Warren number two, Joey B number three, that's my list. I'm not afraid or ashamed to say my list. D. You know how many people come into the studio and ask who's on their list? They go, uh, 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 uh. <laughs> you know, or the old, I'm a journalist. Journalists are not allowed to say, okay. Meanwhile, their Facebook pages are like all these likes and weird stuff they drop. Anyway. Journalists are not allowed to say because that's how journalism has survived. Not saying You've what gone you think. within a tangent within a tangent. Then <laughs> where was I? Oh, my advice to uh, moderates. Moderates are saying, "Why would we take advice to you?" Well, I'm subjected to advice from Chris Christie. Chris Christie, a Republican, a failed Republican, is always giving me a Democrat. I've been a true blue loyal Democrat D for since since I was even conscious, that's it, since 1960s. That song I sang was popular back in the 60s. I was a Democrat, okay? Chris Christie has never been a Democrat, and yet I'm subjected to advice from Chris Christie. How about Mayor Rahm? Mayor Rahm is the most Republicanly Democrat I've ever seen. Take a chill pill, man. I get advice from him, okay? So if they can give advice to, to me, I can give advice to moderates. And my advice to you moderates is stick with Biden. He's the guy. If you want to coalesce around someone to uh, stop Bernie, Biden's your guy. Now, I know what you're going to say, moderates. I could just hear it coming, D. Why you point at me? You're going to say, Ben, just yesterday, 
you were advising us to dump Biden for Bloomberg. Remember my advice from yesterday? To which I said, that was yesterday. We had a show yesterday? And yesterday's gone. <laughs> we got a great show, everybody. Yes, indeed. Where's Maya? She's late. I told I told you that before we started. Oh, Maya's, Maya's running like, a little late. She's, she's running at the late. dentist, but she, she's in the. She went to. I went to the dentist yesterday. Oh my god! No what one cares. <laughs> I didn't mention that in the things I did over the weekend. Oh shucks! So, you know. uh, by the way, did I tell you I saw Invisible Man? Anyway, Maya, uh, Troy Laravier will be here uh, two o'clock. Uh, pr- uh, president of the Principles News. We're going to talk about some Principles News, but you know when Troy's in the studio, he was a Bernie supporter back uh, in 2016, as you know, D. We'll be talking a lot of Super Tuesday with Troy Laravier, uh, p- very uh, powerful uh, lefty. And I know he's got a lot of interesting things to say about South Carolina, the black vote, uh, Bernie, Biden, moderates coalescing around Biden, poor Mike Bloomberg sending out these flyers, even as his moderates run to Joey B. Uh, Candace Castillo will be here uh, as well. She'll join the conversation as she, too, one of the most uh, uh, what is it, powerful lefties in the city of Chicago, great friend of the show. We'll be talking politics, politics, politics. But before we do any of that, the young man from Alton. The man they call Dr. D, not Dr. Doobie, Dr. D, with the news. No one calls me either of those things. <laughs> Only Tuesday through Friday, 1 till 3 p.m. Central Time is when I'm called that. Name's Dennis. <laughs> How's it going? Before we find out what's happening in Chicago and or Illinois this afternoon, yes, we need to catch up on all the news that happened while we were away. Mm. Mayor Pete, beat it! Amy Klobuchar, <laughs> thanks for playing. Tom Steyer, nice try, sir. <laughs> Mm. Joe Biden. Oh, okay, we see you with all those delegates. The old goat's still kicking, Ben Jarofsky. Yes, the Democratic presidential primary has heated up, and it's only getting hotter because it's Super Tuesday. As we speak, a crap load of states are placing their Democratic primary votes, and we'd like to invite all of you listening right now to join Ben Jarofsky and our soon-to-be guest Chicago Reader colleague Maya Duke-Masova at the Chicago Reader's Super Tuesday Watch Party going down at the promontory 5311 south lake park avenue there will be food for purchase and there will be so much political punditry that you'll start to believe that you're running for president isn't that right ben <laughs> absolutely i may i may announce right there at that at that party lord help us all i might go you know what i'm feeling i'm feeling the ben i'm in the race <laughs> we could come up with a better slogan than feeling the ben well that's kind of you know it's like burn. Okay. The event and st- bloom. The event starts at six tonight and goes until eight tomorrow morning. Just kidding. <laughs> goes until wow, eight tonight. Man, that's Ben that's and Maya will rocking and rolling. Ben and Maya will be discussing the results as they come in live tonight. Join us if you were just planning on hanging and watching it at home anyway. And uh, well, don't worry if you were a Mayor Pete, Amy Klobuchar, or Tom Steyer supporter. There will be alcoholic beverages at this event as well. You can drink your sorrows away. No, they're all happy. They're, vo- they're supporting Joey B now. They're just happy as little clams. Once again, it's the Chicago Reader's Super Tuesday watch party at the Promontory, 5311 South Lake Park Avenue. Google it. Get there. Let's have a good old time. Mm-hmm. You can always watch it live on both Ben Jarofsky's show and Chicago Reader Facebook pages if you can't make the event. So and... Worry. And oh, and once that becomes available on uh, the Facebook page, I go download it and then I upload it at both Chicago Reader and Chicago Sun Times websites and wherever else you find your favorite podcast. Upload, download. All I know, it'll be available on the Ben Jarofsky show. We've been doing this a year. You're still blown (laughs) away by this concept. Upload, 
Download, download, upload. Oh, man. KMA Barry says, I would vote for a Ben Dennis ticket. <laughs> we, we would never get out of bed. Well, Dennis actually gets up, you know, relatively early hour. But my problem is, you know, he's getting up early. So yeah. like, all events start at one in the afternoon. Yeah, my problem, I think, uh, as my problem is in life would be in a campaign, I can't raise money. <laughs> oh, yeah. Money is an issue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Money, money, money. All right, but join us. We'll be uh, at the Promontory tonight or watch it on Facebook. All right, let's talk today's local news. We are about two weeks away from our own primary here in Illinois. And if you're a fan of campaign-funded election polls, do not stop listening to this podcast. A new poll is out regarding our Cook County State's Attorney's race between incumbent Kim Fox, Bill DeBro Conway, Donna Moore, and Bob Fleet Feet Fioretti. He loves running. (laughs) That's good, Bob Fleet Feet Fioretti. That's a good one. Did you come up with that? About an hour ago. The poll shows Kim Fox pulling away from Bill Conway. 39% of Democratic voters said they'd vote for Fox, according to the poll memo obtained by Playbook, Illinois Playbook, while 28% back Conway. The latest poll also shows Donna Moore and Bob Fioretti still at single digits in support at 8 and 7%. And 18% are completely perplexed by all of this. Oh, jeez, this is hard. 18% undecided in the Cook County State's Attorney's primary yeah. race. <laughs> I'm confused. Oh, jeez, do I have to? It's so hard. Uh, can I go home? Uh, oh, my beloved undecided voter. I need a little more time to think about this. I'm so confused. I live in Chicago and Cook County. Who do I vote for? The poll of 500 likely (laughs) Cook County primary voters was conducted February 26th through March 1st. Mm. And like we mentioned, was commissioned by Fox's campaign uh, conducted by GBAO Strategies, who is the pollster for Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot, Representative Robin Kelly, and State Rep Kelly Cassidy. Around here we call her KC. KC. (laughs) So yeah, go figure. A poll commissioned by the Kim Fox campaign shows that Kim Fox is in the lead. It comes a week after another poll commissioned by... By Bill DeBro Conway that showed him neck and neck with Fox, while 36% of voters were undecided, an indication that voters may be forming an opinion on the race just two weeks from the primary. All right, Ben Jarofsky, who do we believe here? Is Kim Fox in the lead or are her and Conway neck and neck? And just how much can you believe a poll commissioned by the candidates themselves? You can't believe them at all. Don't believe it. It's like getting a flyer in the mail. Don't believe what they say to you, okay? It's propaganda. That said, so you're not voting Bloomberg. That didn't work on you. Uh, would I vote for Mike Bloomberg? If he's running against Donald John Trump, I will vote for Michael Bloomberg. How about that, D? How is that good or what? He's not in my top three, that's for sure. Do I have a, is he in my top five? I have to think about that. Anyway, before I go that down that rabbit hole, let me answer your question. Uh, it's, a, you know, I don't know if there's that much difference between these two polls. All right, just think about this. 39% are for Fox, 28% are for uh, uh, Bill Conway, 18% are just confused. Is it possible, young Dennis, that the 18% want to vote for a candidate but are too embarrassed to say which candidate they're going to vote for? That, that's a factor. That's the Dennis theory. Don't be embarrassed to vote Fioretti. Come on. (laughs) That's the Dennis theory. The Dennis theory uh, is, and and he bases his theory on years of living among white people downstate, okay? (laughs) The guy has living experience, folks, all right? He's lived with white people downstate for many, many years. And the Dennis theory is, is that white people are embarrassed to say they're for Donald John Trump. 
Okay, I don't blame them. I mean, it's kind of embarrassing to think this is the guy you would support. All right, so they just say, "I'm going to vote." What? No, they'll go. I'll probably vote for Biden, or I'm undecided. Ooh. And the undecided ones. Uh oh, there's a Trumper. So when I see eighteen percent, I'm I guess now who would who would a voter in Cook County be embarrassed to say they're for? That's the interesting question, D. That's the deep dive question. By the way, there's the Ben theory, which is nobody buys this theory, and that is. Uh, the Bulls will win the championship. By the way, my beloved Bulls were victorious <laughs> last night. They did everything they could to lose that game. It was one of the worst played tw- last 25 seconds no of sports. an NBA game I have ever freaking seen. Okay. Hey, guys, there's something called inbounding a ball. Ever hear of it? Ugh, I'm confused. We Wait, you throw it to the guy with the same color jersey? The, the Bulls are like, here, Dallas, you take the ball. I'm sorry, where was I? Oh, I was talking about my other theory, which absolutely nobody shares, because I'm always getting blowback when I say it, but that's this. White voters lie to pollsters when they say they're undecided because they're embarrassed to admit they're for Donald John Trump. That's the dentist theory. Everybody signs on to that. Black voters, particularly black men, lie to pollsters when they say they're for Donald Trump. I don't know what it is about black men feeling compelled to say they're for Donald Trump. I don't know what it is, but when I take a look at the actual numbers... Hardly any of them do it. So it's like there's one set of line that goes on by white voters and another set of line that goes on by black voters. And then I I just don't know why I just tell the truth. But anyway, going back to the issue of Conway and Fox, what would they be more embarrassed to admit? Would they be more embarrassed to admit that they're for Kim Fox, even though there's Jesse Smollett gate? Or would they be more embarrassed to admit that something as trivial as Jesse Smollett-Gate would induce them to vote for Bill Conway? D, I think this requires deeper exploration, all right? Get Andy Grimm in here to talk about it. <laughs> Andy Grimm, the ace criminal defense, excuse me, criminal justice reporter for the Chicago Sun-Times, comes in all the time to talk about Smollett-Gate. So anyway, that's my, I, you know what, D, I've been saying all along that Kim Fox will win. That was my prediction. Put the money down in Vegas. I'm not a gambling man, but if I were, I would put the money down in Vegas. And I'm not going to back out now, all right? I'm not going to be one of those bettors who predicts at the start of the season, oh, oh, Milwaukee's going to win the whole thing. And then if things get a little rocky, all of a sudden they're ditching that. Well, I never really said that. Some people in this room may have been of that uh, persuasion, that ilk. Oh, I saw that little point you did there. You made a little... (laughs) <laughs> Sly point to me. Anyway, so uh, that yeah, so I don't know what to make of these polls, but I stand by my prediction: Kim Fox will win. All right, poll fans. The survey also reveals polling numbers from December and February showing Fox leading by 14 and 15 points, respectively, contradicting Conway's poll. But as Illinois Politico widely states, what's clear in both polls is nothing. Undecided voters will dictate the results of this race. I, I just said, what's clear in both polls? Nothing. Okay. Undecided Well, you're voters. wrong. Politico says undecided voters oh, will oh, dictate the result of this race. You know, and there's also, I got to throw this one out there. I hate to th- throw all my Cook County listeners under the bus. They may not be paying any attention. So they get, a, you know, a pollster calls them out of the blue and asks them, who do you support, Kim Fox or Bill Conway or Bob Fioretti or Donna Martin? They're like, uh-oh. That's like me in the ACT. Uh-oh. I don't know the answer to this question. Uh, how am I going to duck and dodge this one? If only these clueless people knew how powerful 
their decision was. Uh-oh. I'm undecided right now. Actually, the reality is they don't even know what the office is. They're only vaguely aware of any of the... This is our democracy, ladies and gentlemen. It's not like everybody's a geek like me who studies the stuff, reads the newspapers dutifully every day, talks to the candidate. Well, most of them don't talk to me, D. But, you know, talks to people who support them and thinks about things obsessively. Most people are going through life utterly clueless. They go, I, I know there was a guy named Jesse Smollett. And he has something to do with that lady. I can't remember the lady's name, uh, but she's a black lady. I just, I don't know. I'm a, I'm a Cook County voter. I'm all mixed up. Anyway, I, I think it could be that day. I don't think they're lying. They just don't know the answer. And so they're kind of evading it. Like me in high school. <laughs> ben, what's the answer? Well, Maya has entered the room. Maya has entered the room. Love it when Maya enters the room. And let me check if uh, you were right about that statement you made earlier. Ben, for 10 trivia points, who is the 20th Ward Alderman? 20th Ward? Jeanette Taylor. <laughs> yes. No one is a geek like you. <laughs> I, I think Maya knew the answer to that one, too. I bet you Maya can can tell you all the four candidates for state's attorney. All right. So all these po- these voters out there that are struggling with this pollsters question, they're, quite sh- they're not quite sure who they're going to vote for. I, you know what, D? I don't think they're lying. I just think they're clueless. I think that's typical Cook County, Chicago voters. They don't know. They got to listen to Ben Jarofsky's show. That's the that's the the answer to everything that ails you, D. And finally, today our Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker had a good old downstate country meal at the Illinois State Library in Springfield's Agricultural Legislative Day breakfast. Whoa! <laughs> oh, speechless! <laughs> He's speechless. I, I thought you were going to say it at Country Buffet. Did you? Are, are you old enough to Country Buffet? Do you ever remember? Do you remember Country Buffet? Is that before your time? No, no. I used to go to Country Buffet when I was a kid. Can I just tell you, folks? I loved Country Buffet. I thought that's what you were going to say. All yeah, right, good well, old-fashioned country at Country Buffet. But no, that's not what you're going to say. They're not sponsors, so let's just stop talking I think they're out of business. <laughs> oh, damn. I think they went bankrupt. If only we could have saved them years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and uh, no Tuesday public events scheduled for our Chicago mayor, Lori Lightfoot. This little light of mine, <laughs> I'm going to let it shine. So there you are. We'll keep you posted as these stories uh, roll uh, along here on today's show. Uh, Maya Dukmasva is with us. We're going to be talking all things Super Tuesday, tonight's event, and so much more. It's the Ben Jarofsky Show, live from the Chicago <laughs> Sun-Times. Read the Chicago Reader to get up to speed on what's what in Chicago. Culture. Food. Arts and entertainment. Weekly concert listings. Weekly event listings. The environment. Travel. I can continue, but you get the point. And for all of you Chicago political junkies, raw weekly columns on real city politics from Maya Dukmasova and our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader. Free to the public in newsstands throughout the city and online at chicagoreader.com. Read it now and be a more informed Chicagoan. It's the butter cow, which has nine hearts to represent the nine essential nutrients in milk. That's right. It's made entirely out of butter. And, you know, it's a state fair tradition since at least 1922. Hey, D. Yeah? Did I tell you that the Ben Jarofsky Show is sponsored by Rattleback Records? No. Well, it is. Rattleback Records at 5405 North Clark Street is Andersonville's full-service record store. Hey, D. Did I tell you it was voted one of Chicago's best record stores in the 2019 Chicago Reader Poll? Oh. Well, it was. Wow. Rattleback Records, 5405 North Clark Street. Used and new LPs and 45s. They got CDs, DVDs, books, gifts, and much more. For more information, contact them at rattlebackrecords.com. That's R-A-T-T-L-E-B-A-C-K Records. Com. Commercial break over.
Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show, live from the Chicago Sun-Times. Maya uh, is in the studio. We have a lot to discuss. Uh, I just gave you my Sun-Times. I'm like Linus without his blanket. I don't have my like <laughs> beloved bright one right in front of me. You feel uncomfortable? I'm, yes, I'm like breaking in a sweat. <laughs> Give me my bright one back. Anyway, Maya, I'm going to show you I can handle this without the bright one sitting right there. Okay, okay this will be a test. Uh, a lot to talk about tonight. Let's first of all promote the event. We will be at a new uh, venue for us. Yeah, a little roadshow edition of First Tuesdays. We're going to be at the Promontory in Hyde Park, 6 to 8 p.m. We are having a special um, watch party for the First Tuesday, I mean, for the Super Tuesday results as they roll in. We're going to have some awesome guests with us discussing um, the political situation in the country and locally. Um, we've got Jeanette Taylor, Alderman of the 20th Ward, political consultant Delmarie Cobb, and uh, organizer and activist Kofi Adamola. Uh, should be a great discussion. Uh, they all, all three of those folks have a lot of opinions, and they're not afraid to share them. So we've got opinions, and we're not afraid to share them. So it should be um, should be a good night. The event is free, um, and the promontory is great. So people should come on down. Absolutely, yeah. And uh, all right, so you had uh, you had a, an interesting riff before we move on to the national news about uh, the state's attorney's race. You came in at the tail end of our discussion about the poll that showed there's a Fox poll that showed. Kim Fox up 39 to 28 over Bill Conway with 18% undecided and the rest divvied up between Donna Moore and Bob Fioretti. And uh, I mentioned that uh, the, probably the only thing folks know about this race is it has something to do with Jesse Smollett. Which is, is, has nothing to do with Jesse Smollett. That's the unfortunate thing. This, this, <laughs> they're, they're making it about the media and Bill Conway are making it about Jesse Smollett. But this case, this, this race actually has really nothing to do with this one particular case. Um, and 18% undecided is pretty wild. I mean, that's like 18% of people who... I mean, I, I think I'm probably with you on this assessment. They just don't, they don't, they probably don't even know. They probably don't even know who's running. They probably don't know what the state's attorney is. So, um, yeah, uh, I was listening to WBZ this morning. Uh, they uh, had a little segment from Chip Mitchell on there. Um, he'd interviewed a bunch of the uh, uh, leaders of grassroots groups that were um, instrumental in getting Kim, Kim Fox elected back in uh, 2016. They're still with her. All of them talked about how how much they don't care about the Jesse Smollett situation, how much more important it is, uh, what Kim Fox has done in terms of improving transparency and 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 doing some actual criminal justice uh, sentencing reforms, um, exonerating folks who had been convicted through because of police torture, um, you know, lowering, uh, making it, raising the threshold for. Um, for felony shoplifting and various other various other reforms that she's bringing uh, to this office and to the justice system locally through with her power as a chief prosecutor, which all of that stuff affects thousands and thousands of people in this in this county, thousands of families, communities, people's ability to get jobs. Um, all that stuff is is so much more important than than this whole Smollett thing. Mm. I'm so fucking sick of it. And uh, uh, I, I have to tell you, again, I, po- I pointed this little irony out before we make the transition. Uh, Donald Trump released Rod Blagojevich from federal prison a couple weeks ago, and he's making it a, a key theme in his campaign to win over black voters that he's a champion of criminal justice. Uh, and it's like one hand is doing this and the other hand is doing that. Donald Trump's forces in this, meanwhile, in the Cook County area are trying to elevate the Justice Smollett uh, case as to be an all-important indictment 
of Kim Fox in reality, what they're against uh, is exactly what you talked about. The fact that she is being a, a little more what, compassionate toward poor people who get caught up in the criminal justice system, have not been uh, actually uh, convicted of anything, but because of the bail system are locked away in jail. All the things you just uh, outlined are things that Donald Trump's movement is against in terms of reforming uh, and showing more compassion, as I said. So it is a very strange political game that's happening, Amaya, where on one hand, they're championing themselves because they released uh, Rod Blagojevich from federal prison and a one woman, uh, uh, Alice Marie Johnson, from prison bound down in Tennessee. And on the other hand, they're continuing these policies in which hundreds of people get locked up uh, without good reason. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, you ever notice how if you took the Smollett thing out of the picture, like what are what what are people running against Fix Kim Fox on? Hmm. Like what what uh, what what did they have to say about her not being the right candidate to hold this position? Besides that, uh, I, I would I'm s- not hearing anything else. No. If, <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying that there you can have legitimate point. grievances with her. In her position as the chief prosecutor, you could have, you know, maybe you think that it's messed up that she's, I mean, Donna Moore has, has talked about this is kind of like a dog whistly thing about how she's, she's like claiming without really any evidence that people are stealing more because the threshold for felony shoplifting has been lifted, uh, and that there people are like brazenly stealing and then waving the stuff they steal in front of security cameras. Like, I don't know. I, I, this, this all, this all is like a very weird, uh, set of claims that she's making. But like, in general, I find that the attacks on Kim Fox are so centered on this one thing that, that really only probably matters to people in the suburbs and other people who don't, are not directly impacted by the criminal justice system at all. In the meantime, like she's got an actual record like of of how she's running this office that probably maybe matters for when you you know pick a person to run the office but you know with 18 percent of people probably not even knowing what this office is i guess um you know the, the opponents couldn't have had a better talking point we'll, than this, we'll move on but that's a good point uh i thought wish i thought of that it'd be a good column to write uh would if <laughs> if not for smollett gate would any of these people be in the race and i'm looking down the i mean bob fioretti would because that's just what he does I actually do not know if that is true. All right, let's just. What else of, is he going to run for? Well, he needed to run for something, Ben. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, there's other things he could. He could run for uh, a clerk of the circuit court, which is. He'll be know, there next time. Don't okay. worry about it. Don't worry about uh, it. And so, I mean, there's literally a, he could wa- run for a water reclamation district. I mean, there are other other elections he could run for, but clearly, uh, because of Smollett Gate. All these people did a poll, and sh- and the polls showed that if you pound away at Smollett Gate, she may be vulnerable. So I I think your point's well taken. If it wasn't for uh, this uh, sensational case, I don't know. I, I I don't think Conway would be right. That's for sure, certain. I mean, he's a, a ambitious young man. He clearly uh, sees a future for himself. Uh, he's our version of Mayor Pete, and uh, he's got money behind him. The polls said that she's vulnerable run for it and he's also he's another one he's got these campaigns that say he wants we need to be compassionate with people uh who are caught up in the system that some of his commercials are saying that so again <laughs> i don't know why he's running you know other than uh smart gate so anyway i think yeah. your point's a good one if it wasn't for this 
I think Donna Moore would have run. I think she no, ran she, last well, time. Well, she ran last time, yeah, right, yeah. She would have run, run and, you know, probably not gotten very far still. Just uh, as she doesn't know. All right, so uh, let's move on. That is the Kim Fox poll story. Let's push that, push that aside. And lots happened over the weekend with um, Super Tuesday today. The moderates, three moderates dropped out of the race, and two of them have endorsed Joe Biden. Who's the third? Wait, who's the third moderate? For 10 trivia points, Amy Klobuchar is one. Yeah. Mayor Pete, Dennis's favorite, is two. And uh, Tom Steyer. Oh, Tom Steyer, right. Yeah. I guess oh, he I is a moderate. I keep forgetting about him, you know? Just, he made. Easy to do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I called him by the wrong name earlier in the Steyer. show. Steyer. <laughs> I had a it, it really says something where you when you, you're a billionaire and you people can't even you still can't even get people to remember yeah. your name. Well, it's just I tripped on his name. No offense, Tom Steyer. Uh, he looked like he was having fun though when he was running old Tom Steyer. I, I got to tell you, when I, when I and okay, let me just that's when I look back, I've watched every single debate, Maya, uh, and you know I, I remember it took a while for Steyer to get into the debates I think I don't think he was in the first debate I want to say you remember how yeah, it, like, yeah, people it shuffled in while. and out yeah, yeah it took a while to crack yeah. with the crazy little rules that govern who gets in mm-hmm. and doesn't get out I never thought Tom Steyer had a moment in the debate Marion Williamson she had a oh, moment oh yeah she's had moments she had multiple moments <laughs> yeah. for sure yeah, yeah. reparations Tom Steyer never had a never moment never had a moment uh, yeah uh, Andrew Yang had moments mm-hmm. uh, you know I'm trying to think of something did Amy Klobuchar ever have a moment in the debate that a moment where you like laughed at what she said or yeah when she was really irritated with mayor pete those were her moments and then something you know i remember there was something she said at one of these debates about calling her ex-boyfriends for money when she was running for office uh she made a couple of funny she she yeah so she had a couple of moments, huh? Tulsi Gabbard, she was in the race. She isn't she still in the she's race? Still in. She's still in the she's race. Still in yes, the race. she's still. Is she on some ballots in some states? She's in an Illinois ballot. Yeah, you okay. get to vote for her March seventeenth <laughs> if you want to. You can vote for her. Well, you can actually vote for everybody. You can vote for Mayor Pete if you want. He's on the ballot. Yeah. Uh, so there. I'm sure there'll be there'll be plenty of people who just haven't been paying attention to the news, <laughs> but but are excited about Mayor Pete. That same eighteen percent that's undecided. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. But I love. Mayor Pete. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, uh, but Tom Steyer, I just can't, I can't recall a moment. I, I remember him. He was, he'd be the always one who would come in and go, I want it. You got to talk sense. This is the issue. And he would like, try yeah. to change the subject. The, the analysis that I heard this morning on NPR was kind of um, uh, maybe, I don't know. I'm, I'm curious what you think about this. The way that these moderates sort of, dropping out and falling behind the moderate candidate um, and and sort of scrambling to uh, organize an opposition against the the, the more um, the more polarizing candidate of Bernie Sanders the commentator was saying that there was this similar dynamic as happened in 2016 when the establishment Republicans were just like not, you know, kind of scrambling to figure out how to respond to Trump, um, and how to how to unify and 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 th- and throw their weight against uh, this this candidate who was doing so well in the polls and in the primary states. And then, you know, obviously we know how the rest of the story goes. So, I don't know. I feel like a lot of progressives are pretty nervous about this this uh, this moderate this. this kind of the way that the moderate vote is solidifying behind Biden. Um, but it seems to me that uh, it's pretty likely Bernie is going to get California and Texas tonight. So 
um, you know, that's a lot of delegates. And uh, I don't know. He may do better in the South than people think because, you know, it's not it's not not every state in the South is like mm-hmm. South Carolina. Well, I'm out of officially out of the prediction game because I'm always wrong when I do my predictions. Yeah. Uh, I have a list of the Super uh, Tuesday primary states in front of me, and I go down that list. I have, I can make an argument one way or another for uh, Joe Biden. I, I mean, Joe Biden or Bernie winning in, in one of these states. But the, the reality is this: uh, there the parallels between um, Bernie and Trump. Trump. In terms of their, of their pop, popular and populist kind of appeal, yeah. yeah, there are definitely parallels. And and here's here's the advantage that Donald Trump has as being a quote unquote outsider mm. in the Republican primary. Donald Trump is ran on a, basically a platform of division and hate, and you know mistrust, be afraid, we don't like these people, and I think that's an easier sell than Bernie talking about a campaign that brings people together from different backgrounds. Totally, but it all of it is a more motivational, w- whether it's the Trump version of the, the populism or Bernie's, all of it is appealing to people n- not like... I'm better than this. Like, like it, it's, 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 there's emotional appeal. There's not like, I have the best chance to win. It's like, there's an actual thing that these people are, there's a vision that's being sold to people, right? There's like a vision that's being promoted. There's an emotional appeal. People are, people who are excited about Bernie are like genuinely excited about Bernie. They're not like Amy Klobuchar voters who are like, well, this person probably has like a better chance because, you know, she's from the Midwest and she's a centrist. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, like this is the, the, the woman, like just the, all of that stuff is not like super motivational. I think uh, at the end of the day, that's not why people are going to, like go out of their way before work on a Tuesday to to go cast a ballot you know I mean the hatred I guess the question is like can that can the can the antagonism towards Trump motivate people as much as excitement about Bernie so I don't know yeah I and and that that's uh Bernie offers somebody something very specific yeah like Bernie is making promises, concrete promises. Whether he can deliver them, I don't know. But he's offering people something very specific. Yeah. The other candidates, the moderate candidates, are essentially telling people, we're not offering you anything except we're the kind of like placid message that could unite people to vote against Donald Trump. And barely articulated message, too. I mean, Joe, Joe Biden's like, his performance in this election cycle has really been bad, bad. This guy's like not he 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 just mentally I feel like he's me- mentally slipping. I mean Donald Trump is t- definitely mentally slipping. I mean he slipped long ago. Like his it's not like he, well, the babble coming out of his mouth makes any sense. Mm-hmm. But but the but the but the things he says at least are so inflammatory and exciting to people that like it's it's fine that the rest of it is like his dentures are falling out <laughs> and you know it's like barely makes yeah. any sense. Joe Biden's like not saying anything that's exciting to anyone and he's saying it badly. Yeah, it's like a bad combination. Yeah, well, like uh, as I said before, uh, I, incoherence has never been a, d- a deterrent from any politician, at least in Chicago and Cook County when it comes to <laughs> higher up. So I'm not certain. I don't buy into the notion that because Joe Biden can't finish a sentence, uh, he's a weaker candidate. I, I think uh, voters to a certain degree find it reassuring when they 
come upon a politician who's completely incapable of they and like I said, they kinda know what he's saying. So that they, they that bit they that can, they, they can string the sentence yeah. together. Play the radio. Here make sure the television the, excuse me, make sure you have the record player on at night. The the, the phone make sure the kids hear words. I, you know what? I kind of get what he's saying. Okay, you do. Make sure kids hear. Yeah. All right. Oh my God, the record player. <laughs> okay. Now the hipster, the hipster, the Logan Square hipsters. They're on it. They're on it with the, it's with vital, the record man. player. Yeah. No, but you know the, the other thing that's like really annoying is I heard. So today's episode of the Daily, I listen to the Daily every day. So, wow. The day I'm irritated. I'm, what? what? <laughs> I mean. You know, it's there's part of my other, media diet. No, but there's a whole other article uh, notion about the New York Times being bad for journalism in general that the New York Times critic just put up. But anyway, finish your... Uh, I find The Daily quite good. Well, no, I find it quite uh, on uh, timely and relevant. And then I'm mad a lot of the times when I'm listening to it, like today, uh, which is this long interview with this with this guy in Virginia who sees who who loves Joe Biden because he had this personal history of personal encounters with Joe Biden that were just like really amazing and heartwarming for him. And he tells these great stories about meeting Joe Biden in 1988 and blah, 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 blah. And he talks about how, yeah, he just thinks that Joe Biden is such a great politician because he because of the way he is in, in his interpersonal rapport with people, that he makes you feel like he cares about you. And that Bernie Sanders is like a terrible choice. Well, he, he says this thing that's just like he says, Bernie Sanders is like he's just kind of mean, like he's mean. And I won't want that guy to be my neighbor. And this is like a guy in like a rich suburb of Washington, D.C. In, in Virginia. Like they, mm. they spend a lot of time describing how fancy this this community is. So uh, but uh, this this gentleman is ultimately not going to vote for Joe Biden because he feels that <laughs> what or he's he's probably not going to vote for Joe Biden. I, or he thought he wasn't until the South Carolina results started coming in, but he was wa wavering because he thought Joe was really not making any sense. And it, the, I believe the way he described it in the episode was like, it's like walking through an, 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 a retirement home and you know, somebody, you know, and love is there. And then they're just like yelling at you. It's like, why are you yelling at me? I know you, you know? So, uh, he has this sense that this kind of like geriatric, uh, ageist kind of critique of Joe Biden, uh, in the vein that we were just making, I suppose. Um, and uh, and he was like talking about how Michael Bloomberg, you know, is like, that's the guy. He's like, really, it's like impressive, blah, blah, blah. But I just found it like, it's so, I can't believe that like an, an, a serious adult, right, who's being interviewed by the New York Times about his views on these on these candidates talks about how it would be like irresponsible to vote for someone who's promoting a revolution like th that he doesn't like this candidate because he doesn't seem nice like it's just wild mm -hmm. but i think a lot of people think this way because i i mean a lot of people think this way in local elections too it's like all these older people who got voted out and and booted out of office last last year People like Deb Mel, who were just like a, a, a gas that, you know, these grassroots activists and lefty candidates were, you know, basically coming at them with pitchforks and yelling at them about like their policy positions and their relationships with donors and their and their being in bed with developers. And then, you know, and then these people were like, oh, why are they so mean to me? Mm -hmm. It's like, 
what are you talking about? This is like, who cares what kind of tone they're talking to you in? Like, you don't want this guy to be your neighbor? What does that even mean? You don't like, you don't like somebody who's going to make you feel uncomfortable about the job you have that's gotten you this, like, fancy lifestyle that, you know, as a, as a white man in America? I don't know. Like, it's just, it's like, this, this, the degree to which people are making these decisions, uh, people who live comfortably are making these decisions based on, like, their interpersonal kind of res- rapport with people and their sense that like oh this person is mean or not or I don't like this person because of the way they make me feel like all I mean it's 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 par for the course this is the way that like voting works typically you know a lot of people just make emotional choices or you know very they look at the name and they like the name or they you know they vote for the person who they've met once and shook their hand and it's like makes them feel good you know retail politics works that way but still it's kind of disappointing um this gentleman that was interviewed in the mm-hmm. Daily, was he white or black? He was white. Okay. Um, I, I just asked this because uh, Joe Biden's campaign has been saved by black voters. It, yeah. It, it was on its deathbed, and then South Carolina came through, and that has given everybody in the Democratic Party a jolt. Uh, on the Bernie side, the Elizabeth Warren side, everybody, because the reality is the black vote is absolutely key to the Democrats. And Democrats have always struggled with this. Maya, you know this. They just struggle with this. They don't know, like, how far should they go to win over the black vote? When you have a case like when uh, Jesse Jackson ran in 1988, it was absolutely frightening to some. I can guarantee you, I'll bet you any amount of money that that gentleman at the New York Times interview, that's why I asked, is he black or white, would not in a million years in 1988 have voted for Jesse Lewis Jackson in the Democratic primary. Absolutely it was not. absolutely frightening that Jesse Jackson, to many white people, when Jesse Jackson ran in 1988, because it was like black power flexing itself. We and gotta it, ask Delmarie Cobb about this tonight. Oh, def- yeah. Delmarie Cobb was Jesse Jackson's <laughs> spokesperson back in 88. And, uh, and I remember when Harold Washington ran, it was frightening the white people about Harold Washington. So it's very... so. Th- I think with this voter, just I'm interpreting what he's saying from based on what you report, is they're looking for some kind of reassurance. And it's so crazy that a person who is as well off as this person is described to be, reassurance against what? What do they actually think is going to happen? This isn't, this isn't, this isn't an actual revolution. Like, have you read a book? Like, this is a, this is an attempt to bring this country more in line with the kind of democratic socialist kind of policies and principles that are, you know, pretty normal in most developed countries. But the reality is this. I'm struggling with this. The reality is this. And I'll go back and give a concrete example. In 2015, I had that infamous fight, infamous, uh, with Rahm's solicitors. They were going door to door in my neighborhood trying to get people to vote for Rahm Mm -hmm. for re-election. Somehow they found themselves to me. We got into this big fight. And I ended up saying, if you don't leave my porch, I'm going to call the police. (laughs) They dropped the F-bomb on me at least five times. You know, uh, they got their charm from the man they were endorsing. And uh, they told me at one point, the best pitch they gave to me is they said, look, it was a nice day. Actually, that day was a nice day for March or whenever it was in Chicago. It's how could you complain? Life is great. What do you, and I'd been going down, you know, about the problems the city's facing, this, that, and the other. You got it good. If Chewy Garcia is elected, he's going to raise your taxes and give it to the unions. You got it good. Just keep voting for Rom. And I feel as though the, that essential message that somehow or other the system is working well is 
what keeps voters the, this this like mythical swing voter in the suburbs that the Democrats are so worried about. If that person exists, and they probably do exist to some degree or another, Maya, that's that fear that if they go too far, they'll lose the good thing that they have will keep them in check. And, I, you know, it's it's that's the message that absolutely every Democrat whose name is not Bernie or Elizabeth or Tulsi, when she was still on the on the on the stage, mm-hmm. has been articulating for the last month. Bernie goes too far. I know these voters. We're going to lose those voters. Trust me. We, we you can have your public option and your private insurance, right? Isn't that what they always say? You don't need to have a revolution where people lose something. In other words, people are afraid that they're going to lose something. Yeah. Well, plenty of people are already losing a lot, and. Uh... I'm going to be, tonight, the thing I'm going to be paying closest attention to is the turnout, probably. I just want to see, you know, if this is really, Bernie's strategy is really um, going to be working out. Well, there's an interesting column in today's New York Times, since uh, you're now t- at least taking the the daily. Uh, you might as well take the deep dive and read all the propaganda, I mean, all the articles in the New York Times. <laughs> uh, daily subscriber. I pay for the daily, ladies and gentlemen. You're welcome. Uh, I do, too, but I only get the Sunday Times. I don't make it through the whole paper. Uh, okay, well. I get it for the magazine, I'm really, uh, By the way, another time we'll have the discussion. I'm going to send you the article, give you uh, to read it. Ben Smith's first article for the New York Times as their uh, media columnist. And he wrote this <laughs> uh, piece, which he basically said, this new company I'm working for is the biggest danger journalism has. Really compelling piece that the New York Times would write. Mm. It just goes to show you how confident they are. They are, they're, they're, or total tangent here, Maya. Their operation is booming at the yeah, New York Times. They're doing great. They're like a model that all of us, all of us, hint, hint, reader, sometimes Tribune, all of us could be following uh, to a certain degree on all many different platforms. Uh, and uh, and he was saying he was arguing uh, that it's it it could be a, too much power in the hands of one media operations, like not unlike Netflix or Amazon, et cetera. Uh, he made that argument. But anyway, Michelle Goldberg, who's your uh, liberal columnist, is a Elizabeth Warren supporter, basically, uh, wrote an interesting column today, which I urge folks to read, which she was laying out the case that she doesn't think Bernie can win. And it's basically a more sophisticated uh, rendition of this case than Rom tries to articulate when he goes on the George Stephanopoulos show. And that is, is uh, that um, you can't expect new voters to turn the tide. That there's, it's never happened before. It, it probably won't happen again. You're asking for something that is totally unique for new voters, people signing up for the first time, showing up for the first time, if that's your ticket to defeat Donald Trump, if that's your strategy to defeat Donald Trump, it's not probably not going to work. It's not a safe bet. And the safer bet, this, this is her, is, is to rely on what worked in 2018 and getting voters like that gentleman that the Daily interviewed to make the decision to go Democrat as opposed to Republican. That's Michelle Goldberg writing, and she's the liberal. Everyone's, you know, everyone's entitled to their opinion. 
Fair enough. All right, we're going to uh, uh, end this segment of the show by reminding folks one more time where we'll be tonight. 6 p.m. at the Promontory in Hyde Park. We're going to have a Super Tuesday watch party and discussion with a bunch of amazing guests. And uh, it's a free event, so please come down 6 to 8 p.m. Promontory in Hyde Park. Very good. And you guys have been election junkies. Not only uh, are you talking about the primaries tonight, you're also been hustling on the backroom deals. That's right. Season three of the backroom deal is out. That's We're correct. Sick. <laughs> We're st- now, what today's Tuesday, five, six, seven episodes deep. We've got three more coming out the rest of this week. Um, every we, we talk about every important uh, kind of race on the November 17th. I mean, on the March 17th ballot. Um, Even the ones that confuse the living hell out of you when you go to like the judges like, huh? You guys yeah. try to help out everyone out through that Actually, too. you know, front page of the bright one, your beloved bright one. It's uh, uh, Illinois uh, uh, retired Justice Charles Freeman, whose seat is now the one that's being contested. Um, first African-American judge on the Illinois Supreme Court, um, justice on the Illinois Supreme Court has has passed away. And uh, there are people running to replace him, including uh, a lot of veteran um, uh, appellate court judges, uh, uh, black appellate court judges, uh, one Latino candidate. There's three white candidates among them, a young uh, white man uh, who's an attorney who has no experience on the bench at all, Daniel Epstein, but has been... Um, uh, kind of catching a lot of attention. Um, there's uh, a man with a woman's name running. There is... <laughs> there... A man with a woman's name. <laughs> so everyone should just go and listen to, you know, the, the, yeah. there's, we talk about all of this yeah. on the Backroom Deal episode about the Illinois Supreme Court and other judicial elections. I encourage everyone, as I always do, to check out the Injustice Watch Um Judicial Voting Guide, Mm -hmm. which is on the Injustice Injustice Watch website. It is the most comprehensive voting guide for judicial elections. You can make yourself a little uh, mock ballot and take it with you to the polls as a cheat sheet. Uh, Please do that. By the way, uh, you mentioned the Chicago Sun-Times, my beloved bright one. Let me just take this moment to give a shout out uh, to our brothers and sisters from the Chicago Sun-Times, their uh, collective bargaining unit struck a deal with management at the Sun-Times. I think it's a three-year deal. Uh, so they got a raise and our good friend, uh, Craig Rosenbaum was the uh, person who negotiated the deal. All right, He's Craig. our union yep. and leader we've got, as we've well. Got, we've, you know, we're rolling around to our, 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 our bargaining being completed too. So, you know, so a shout out to, uh, <laughs> shout out to Craig, to Craig. He's working Yay hard for to our teachers. <laughs> Yay for our teachers. They had a big celebration in the Sun Times. The other day we were walking through the hallways and we saw Naderissa and Andy Grimm, who were the leaders of their bargaining unit. Uh, and they, they, that's what they broke the news. Yeah, we did it. And then this weekend, the Sun Times had big pictures. I think, is it in today? Did they do it today as well? Uh, yeah, to our readers, Chicago. Yeah, big picture of the Sun Times staff. And so good for you guys. Well, man. and uh, everyone should also remember to pick up the reader. Absolutely. Show our beloved st- reader to the. There you go. Uh, I've got a story this week, too, as well as your column. Yes. About eviction court trends. Oh. Bleak. As always, uh, Pangea is still evicting more people than any other uh, than any other landlord in the city. So, you know, you can catch up all about it in this week's reader. You guys are hustlers. Very good. We really are. All right, Mike. Go get some rest. Get ready for tonight's show. And uh, also, we're going to do a backroom. Get a rest for the backroom deal and tonight's show. All right. All right, Mike. Thank you so much. We're going to take a break. And Troy LaRavier will be joining us. Be right back. I just biked around Lake Michigan. Read the Chicago Reader to get up to speed on what's what in Chicago. Culture. Food. 
arts and entertainment, weekly concert listings, weekly event listings, the environment, travel. I can continue, but you get the point. And for all of you Chicago political junkies, raw weekly columns on real city politics from Maya Dukmasova and our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader, free to the public in newsstands throughout the city and online at chicagoreader.com. Read it now and be a more informed Chicagoan. Hey, everybody, what you're about to hear are the piano stylings of Jeff Manuel. Man, listen to Jeff go. Jeff Manuel has been playing piano around Chicago for years. He's played for conventions, for celebrities, played in basement bars with blues bands. He's played at prestigious social clubs, fine restaurants, and in the intimacy of private homes. Book Jeff Manuel at jeffemanuelpianist.com. Don't worry, I'll spell his name at the end of this commercial. You know what Chicago Magazine said? They said that Jeff Manuel is, quote, as comfortable with Chopin as he is with Cole Porter. He's excellent, and his performance is joyous. He offers an elegant stream of compositions and interpretations that entertains the mind but won't hurt the ears. To hear more of Jeff Manuel's work and to book Jeff for your next event, go to jeffmanuelpianist.com. I'm going to spell it out for you, people. J-E-F-F. M as in Mary, A, N as in Nancy, U, E, L, P, I, A, N, I, S, T, dot com. Take it away, Jeff Manuel. It's Chicagoland's Adult Entertainment Playground. It's the world-famous Admiral Theater, 3940 West Lawrence Avenue. The Admiral is homegrown from Chicago, and it's the most conveniently located club in all of the city. 15 minutes from the O'Hare Airport in downtown Chicago Loop. Voted Chicago's best strip club, the Admiral has showgirls galore and a variety of adult entertainment shows. The world-famous Admiral Theater, open every day from 7 p.m. to 6 a.m., 3940 West Lawrence Avenue. For events, showtime, and other information, visit AdmiralX.com. Must be 18 years of age or older to enter. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.